Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 104. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes who've known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, good to be back. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different uh, kind of uh, review show. I, I must admit, I, I've, uh, if I'm being honest, it's been a little bit interrupted the last three days. So I want to give you a very brief overview. <laughs> but uh, but uh, halfway through the game, uh, when we're up probably by, by 20 points, um, well, I've actually, you know, uh, had to rush my wife to hospital. So... So uh, I won't go too much into detail, but um, it was quite serious, and uh, she's still in hospital today, but uh, but uh, in a much more stable condition, which is uh, good news. But uh, if I'm being honest, my mind hasn't been on football the the weekend, and and I only just saw the second half late last night. So look. Uh, I don't feel I've got my normal analysis of brain on, so maybe Grant will be carrying me a bit more today. But but yes, yes. Man, no problems. But uh, yeah, the, look, the, it's obviously good news. Um, she's actually just having a Zoom meeting with her family for the next hour, and she thought it'd be a good idea if I just get my mind off it and talk for some footy. So uh, I said, all right, I'll I'll do a, a quick show, and and maybe that's that would be actually good for me just to think of something different. And it is it is quite stable now, so I. Um, so it is good news, and uh, but Excellent. let's. But we were here to talk about the the GWS game, which is uh, yeah, it's a very hard one to dissect. If I'm if I'm being honest, uh, I, I didn't give us a chance at all um, prior to the game, uh, so it was fairly fairly high to say that to be 46 points to 17, 12 minutes to go in the third quarter. I, I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. And uh, we were playing some really, really good football. We were composed. We were looking for good options. Um, and look, before I talk, go over to you, Grant, I just want to play a clip that I think it would be good to have a discussion on. Um, and, yeah, no problems. And so it's actually from Dylan Shield after the game. And I, I think this is where it's good to have just the conversation about the club. Uh, and, uh, and I really like this moment of honesty from Dylan. So this is just him talking about kind of what went wrong um, uh, halfway through the game. Yeah, like they played some really good footy and, you know, we, you know, sort of just sort of went into our, our shells a bit. Um, you know, had a really, really good lead probably going into half time and, Probably went into a bit of self-preservation a bit, and um, you know, just went away from the way we want to play the game, and that's. Uh... Um, look, I'll leave it at there. But that's that's I think a, a good area to pick up on because we lost that game rather than GWS. Won, Easily, won that game. Easily um, we, we lost that game. GWS actually were quite flat uh, for most of the game, and uh, it, it's. Look, I don't want to go in too deep land, and and my brain's probably not <laughs> to, uh, has the ability to go into too deep land at the moment. But look, it's been a cultural thing for a number of years, and and we talked about it with the Frio game. We were up by six goals, uh, and, and you know, and the, we almost lost that game in round one. Sydney were up by three goals. Clearly, had the momentum in the third quarter. We've just scraped home, 
Uh, look, I think with North Melbourne were up by three goals and had momentum in the third quarter. We've only just luckily won that. Um, so it, it's kind of like a, a recurring theme of the Essendon Football Club, just unable to build on its momentum and have a, a killer instinct uh, as a club. And it's a it's a club that almost represents everything as a whole. That where I said you know the previous week we're far too safe. As a club, we're, we're, we're kind of um, a club that's very um, uh, courteous and, and very uh, complacent. Uh, and that's my view anyway. That's me as a fan and member. Uh, and, and it's happening on the field. And I think uh, across the board at the Essendon Football Club, there needs to be a bit of an internal review about now post-Saga Five or six years on, guys, we may have to address, address, sorry, not addressed, <laughs> address uh, a culture that's much more ruthless, much more hard edge, uh, uh, f- having itself permission to play unsociable footy, having itself permission to, to be hated uh, externally outside the bubble of the club. Um, and having its permission to for a president, CEO, coach, whatever, uh, even a captain to call out publicly or whatever strongly that some performances aren't good enough, um, some the inconsisten- inconsistencies aren't good enough, and I think that stems from the top. And uh, you know, uh, there's a, obviously a, a, an article which I won't go into too much by Rob Harding, who's the ex uh, analyst at Essendon. Um, he obviously in the Herald Sun today talked about uh, a concerning culture, and some people might say that's you know, oh, you know, he's having gripes because he's he he's left the club. But I didn't see it that way because I'm hearing similar things, and and he's obviously talking about an internal culture that's not that great. Uh, and I think it it, it Essendon has a moment um, while it has this pause year, and I generally think it's a pause year, and. I think for some players that would be really upsetting for Michael Hurley and Hooker and and those kind of guys that we are having a pause year and not actually growing or developing. Um, I think it's a bit at least a time that where a club sits down and, and starts to have a bit of a look at itself and, and what it stands for. And because I think the time is over for uh, this 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 nice club kind of moment. Uh, it's a time for you know I I think I'm seeing the Collingwoods, I'm seeing the you know the uh, the Port Adelaide. You know they they you know they trade Wingard. They they have a president saying you know the last two years wasn't good enough. And you know and then the whole club responds responded because that's the messages came through. We can trade our highest profile player, mainly our highest paid player, if if we you know if we need to, and we're going to call things out. And and uh, we've got some players that probably earn five hundred k or more that need to be called out and. And need to be addressed, and um, uh, I'm not doing the rant this time. I think it's more of a sobering feel that uh, things need to start changing, um, or we'll just continue along the 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 12th to seventh position um, for another five, seven years, and and and, uh, and you've got to, yeah, you've got to start rectifying that. Over to you, Grant. Right then, no, mate. I'm. I'm... <sighs> We we had a chat before the podcast, and I'm I'm with you, man. I I should be more excited about the way we played that game, um, the first three quarters anyway. 
Um, but my my head just again sits with utter confusion. I'm totally confused. I don't know which Essendon side is going to turn up week to week, and I mean I mean that like with with effort and and turning up, getting hammered by. Um, Brisbane, or then turning up against GWS, where I was with you, Scotty, we had no chance of us winning that game. Um, we were just going to get eventually blown away by um, Kelly and Hopper and Cornelio and um, all of these guys at Whitfield. And ultimately, that's exactly what happened. But I I don't know what the club's game plan is, man. Like, I, I um, last week we were we went back into our old shell. We were kicking it down the line. We were just kicking it to contests. We were trying to just play that quick running ball, which when it works, looks fantastic, but it works 10% of the time. um, And the other 90, it just doesn't. And it turns over really quickly. And all of those people that have run forward to accept the handball and be all aggressive and everything, they're all stuck because the ball comes flying back over their head and then we're screwed. And this week we come out and with incredible effort from uh, from Sam, S-A-M-S-S-A-A-M-M, Sam Draper, um, he he's given us great ball in the middle. We, we're, we're pushing it out of there. And then all of a sudden a club, our club, turns into Hawthorne of about five years ago. We play possession, uh, precise kicking, slow movement up through the um up through the corridor sometimes and then we're kicking it into people taking marks in the forward line and we're and we're kicking goals. Like yeah. where the hell did that come from? And Zach Merritt, who he's been played on a wing most of this year, a little bit in the midfield. Zach Merritt goes back in there and absolutely dominates against one of the better young up and coming midfields in the comp because he played the majority of the time on the ball. I can't. I don't know what to say about the game plan of the club. It changes from week to week, and I think that then leads me to think that these players with the names that we've got out there, we've got the Zacks and the um, Shields and Parish and Tom Cutler and um, all these guys. I just wonder whether or not they know what the hell they're supposed to do week from week, because. Clearly, what it worked, whatever happened in the first three quarters, we were kicking the ball around, it was great. And then all of a sudden we went back again, and this is what I think speaks to your culture point, Scotty, in that and I know we're young, we're a youngish side. We've got players that are reasonably young in the side, and that's a good thing because we're, we're progressing them and all that sort of stuff. But we're old enough and big enough and ugly enough as a side that we don't, we know not to do what we just did in that the start of the third quarter. We know not to do that. And even when at the end of three-quarter time, you know that Truck will be saying to them, don't go into your shell. Don't try and um, protect this lead. Keep attacking the way you've been attacking. But they did it anyway. Yeah. So I, I, I love the fact that we came out at the start of this game and gave GWS the biggest scare they've had this season, I guarantee you. And, mate made my eyes just bug out of my head at this club again and how being how good how good we can be. But then all of a sudden we just turn around and lose a 29-point lead again because I've got to agree with you, Scotty. I don't think we're ruthless enough as a club. 
No, well, we just yeah. we just think that there's another week coming, and we'll just play another week. There's no desperate effort to hang on to a twenty nine point lead. Yeah, and you comment on uh, unsure about the game plan. Look, uh, for me, I feel like the first half is what they want to uh, introduce. As far but as we've not, but are we ten weeks in introducing a game plan, or was that the game plan no, from th- game one? That's the game plan for me that we saw a little bit in the preseason, which I thought – I mean, I, you can hear Carousella after the game and you can hear even Wusher after the game saying, we're, we've got to look for better options, lower eyes, be more composed, use the ball better through through the middle. Uh, and I think that's what their the message is. Uh, why the players haven't been carrying it out is probably a, a bigger question um, and and why some players who continue don't carry out get games maybe even a, a even bigger question uh, yeah. to be honest but uh, for look for some people this is not going to make sense but um, uh, look I'm a mad American sports fan right and I follow uh, an NBA team which the Australian player Ben Simmons plays called player sorry this this I say that again the Australian player Ben Simmons. Plays for which is the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the 76ers is kind of like the Essendon. Uh, I, I, they so mirror each other um, where they've had kind of a, 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 like I say, an interesting management. <laughs> and and um, what they do have, uh, they've probably got a little bit more than us, but what the Sixers are known for is probably having the best starting five almost in the NBA. Um, uh, maybe even the top six players if you name their top six, it's probably the best um, assigned top six in the NBA. Yet uh, they're probably about 10th or 12th ranked at the moment. And really what has happened is that what they've recruited and, and traded in actually doesn't fit as a cohesive group, which means they're all individually good, um, but they're cohesively unable to get uh, any team kind of oriented orientated sort of flow to their game and they're just all the all the pieces aren't fitting and and I think this is where one uh, aspect I think the club needs to look at because uh, my concern like even just look, let's do an example right for the midfield when I see uh, Zach Merritt um, Devin Smith uh, Shiel uh, Parrish McGrath um, uh, you know, even Snelling, who runs through the midfield quite a lot, what I'm seeing is a whole bunch of guys who are six foot and under, and and, and I feel like we need to almost half that and change the makeup of our team a bit uh, to have a better balance of of a, a Joe Watson kind of uh, makeup. Now, that's as easy for me to say, but very hard to just suddenly turn around and say, all right, we'll get that in the offseason. Now, that's obviously – I'm not silly. It's not easy to do, but I, I generally feel like we've got a bit of an unbalanced team set up at the moment. Uh, it's not it's – uh, to, 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 sorry to jump in. I don't know that it's unbalanced in that it's uh, – maybe ba- unbalanced is the right side. It's just you need the in and un- the, the little quick speedy dudes like Zach and, and Devin Smith and, and Andy McGrath and stuff. But you do need, Grunt. <laughs> um, like Kyle Langford and the six two six three guys in there with the big bodies as well. So I maybe I'll take back what I just said. In that you're right, unbalanced isn't the way because at the moment we're all on the left hand side, which is the small sort of speedy, quick guys. But we've got no grunt, no no yep. tall grunt on the other side. 
And what that does too, um, uh, you know, just going back to old Essendon kind of years, um, Essendon used to use guys like Blumfield and a few other guys. They used to recruit some of these guys so there was an outlet mark on a wing, you know, tallish midfielders who can mark. And we don't kind of have that. You you always can tell, even though we're a team that likes to bomb it long down the wing, we don't have actually a midfield that's a very good contested. We have a lot of small guys. And so I feel like we just need to have a look about how our list has been shaped and formed. Uh, and, you know, and some people might scream through the microphone and say, well, you've got Dylan Clark as the inside mid, you're just not playing him. And that's probably a fair call. Yeah, uh, and, and I agree with that. Uh, and so it, it's just something I, I genuinely feel like this is a bit of a pause year and I don't know if, if a truck can let loose yet because he's officially not the coach. But I've, I, will, I would find this the most interesting off-season in probably as I can remember at Essendon, to see how Truck approaches everything. Um, if, if, if it's a bit of the same old, same old, you know, I'm going to keep my list, I'm going to back them in, or do I have I understood a few home truths about now that I've played, you know, kind of coached 20 games uh, or 17, 20 games, do I get an understanding now of where the list is at and what, and what um, kind of adjustments I need to make? Um, and that adjustment, I'm not going to say any names, but that adjustment might be trading a high-profile player um, that actually is a good player, but we've just got three or four of that kind, um, and we need to get a, a different kind of player in to just balance up uh, an area of the ground. Um, I'm not going to go into speculation. Of, you can you can make those calls yourself, but that's kind of, I'm thinking, where we may need to have a, a, a bit of a look. And, and look, and then, look, there's going to be the other crowd, which I get as well, because I've said it myself, that we are missing four All-Australians from the side. We clearly got high-profile players injured. I, I genuinely feel like the game would have been close even with those high-profile players. I'm talking it's a cultural issue. Uh, there's no doubt we may win a couple of more games and, and we'll look really good when we're really good. <laughs> um, but I yeah. generally feel like no matter what, I've seen those players play and I've seen us go with the five-goal lead in the second and third quarter and I've seen those stars also allow, you know, the team to come back. Uh, we might have won a few more games in the end just because talent overall came through. But you name me a year in the last decade where we've finished between 7th and 10th and our percentage has been through the roof and got us got us into the finals. Um, yeah, because, you're right. Because that's, that's, you know, a percentage always has a, a – I always find there's a little bit of a magnifying glass of kind of where your team's at it because you you understand, who you know, the, you, you, are we being the – bottom five teams comfortably, you know, by that 30, 40 point margin, building out the percentage, overtaking some teams who are equal to equal on the, on the ladder as far as wins, because you've done a much more ruthless job on the, on the bottom teams. And that, that's a kind of scenario I think has been a, a cultural thing at the club for a while. Um, so look, it, it's, it will be an interesting off season. Um, what we might do is go to a break and talk a little bit more actually about individuals in the game. Yep, no problems. Because, uh, you know, the, the tease is 
this club has potential, and that's the, I think the the pure frustration in everyone. And you can see it; you would get glimpses of it, uh, uh, but there's a few deeper things to work out before that potential becomes consistent. So it's the it's the Jekyll and Hyde factor, dude. I, yeah. I've said it before. We just we look great. And then we've got that Hyde character that just pops up. And anyway, yep. Yep. A bit more of a chat about run through some stats after the break. Catch you guys. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then. Um, Scotty's whacked the uh, stats up on the screen and leading from the very top is Zach Merritt. Um, Big game, yep. Very, very obvious, good game. I just, uh, where's that been the last four or five weeks, Zach? Um, It looks like the same, the the Zach of, of old, really. He ran, he tackled, he chased, he was everywhere. He's, he's tough to play on as an opposition team when he's really actively hunting the football. Huge game from him. Um, and that was great. And there's something to say about guys playing in the positions that they're good at. I mean, that's oh. a, I, I don't want to – I feel like I'm back in – sorry, I'm back in the first segment. I am going to move on. But, you know, uh, there is something to say of why Conor McKenna is an exceptional halfback, why Zach Merritt is exceptional underneath the ball, uh, and uh, – Yes, I just wish we would. Yeah, no, mate, you don't say it. You don't have to. You don't have to stifle yourself. It's ridiculous that Zach Zach Merritt is playing anything other than on the ball. I like. And I wonder if I just wouldn't be loved to just get Cara on the Carouseller on the um, on the show, just to say to him, "Are we missing something here, Cara? Are we missing something technical from a footy department that we don't know that says, look." Grant, we've we've tried to chuck Merritt and Shield and McGrath in the same, um, in and on the ball at the same time. And look, it doesn't work because of X or Y because Zach likes to do this, and that's Dylan's sort of game. And they're going to cancel each other out or some some kind of I don't know footy reason why they don't play that Zach doesn't play in there the whole time. But damn, Zach, he he just shone again. That's exactly where the bloke should be playing. Yeah. Uh- Look, the for me, uh, if you want some optimism for the future and and a bit of joy, um, after two games, knowing that I'm going to be watching uh, Sammy for the next oh. decade does give me some joy because uh, if you ever there's a, a long term contract uh, presented to a player on our list. This is the guy because, like, he's obviously very, very raw, right? And there's no doubt his body's all over the place and, and and he's missed a lot of football and he's only young. He's only just turned 21 and yeah. he's obviously had a year and a half out. Uh, even before that, obviously, he had a soccer career up to the age of 16, 17. So AFL is very new to him. Uh, but if that's what he's like now in his first two games, which I see him as clearly beating his – I mean, probably – it was close to a tie, but I still felt like he edged out Mummy. Uh, um, who did we play last week? Who was his opponent? His, uh, uh, Brizzy. They played that um, that big, tall, two-meter oh, yeah, bloke. Yeah, Brizzy yeah, yeah, were yeah, yeah, yeah. missing yeah. a couple of blokes. 
so, look, he's had two really good first games. He's averaging like five clearances a game. He had six clearances in this game. I know. He had four in, I think, the previous game. But, um, you know, when he gets a bit more of a smoother kicking action, which will happen, he'll, he, 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 you know, they're going to really go heavy on development um, for him I now. Think, yeah. I think, too, with Sammy, hilariously, when you see him jump at the centre bounce, He's trying to jump over the top of the other, other <laughs> ruckman. Like, yeah, he's got to love him, man. He's he's all arms and legs, and he's very excited to be there. And he's he is jumping ridiculously high, like Nick Nick that high at the moment. Um, but he, he, you could just look at him, and someone like Simon Madden would be looking at that, looking at him, going, "Oh, geez, I wish I was twenty-one again." <laughs> um, but Sammy just needs to—he just needs to calm down a little bit. <laughs> needs to just be a bit more calm at the center, center bounces, and not literally try and stand on dudes' heads. Um, but Sammy, mate, he's going to be great. Center clearances, the backup work. When it touches the ground, he's not a big lumbering mummy or anybody like that. He's got a touch of the um, – I can't even say his name. I don't like him, uh, the Collingwood Ruckman. Um, but he's got a touch of that about him, and yeah. he, he's got the taps down pat. He can take a grab we've seen, and he's a little bit dangerous in the forward line. So, good Lord, um, let that kid play and just hope that he progresses as fast as humanly possible. No, nah, totally agree. He's – he is a really big prospect uh, coming through, and um, yeah, I mean, you from here on, there should be no mention of uh, of the word omitted. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I mean, like, just okay, pump. Just, you just got to get experience. I mean, yeah, on, on actually, I shouldn't say that because obviously we're going to have some games coming up with five day breaks and almost four day breaks, and so yeah, they yeah, will manage him. Then there's obviously, I'm not talking that crazy. I'm talking if you have a week's. You know, if it's a seven, your classic seven-day, you know, game to game, this kid plays uh, because you you want to get as much experience uh, and development into him. Um, like you might see, you might see Phillips come in for this next game. Yeah, this well, week. I, I found it interesting that they played Phillips only for twenty minutes in the scratch match and then took him off, and uh, and you know, just gave me a bit of an inkling that oh, that tells me they just want him to get a little bit of touch. But, yeah. not, but not get him sore or tired. So, yep. so that you're right. It's every possible that he's actually managed this next game. And that's game. okay, man. He's come off a, a serious injury yeah. Yeah. and he's he's jumping out of his skin and probably the doctors are looking at him going, yeah, look, hold the hold the colt back <laughs> yes. just a little wee bit. Hold him back yet. Um, just let's maybe send you for a scan, show, show us your knee or let's treat him a bit carefully because – yeah, because you, you can see the ridiculous talent this kid's going to be. So, yeah, let's just chuck some reins on the colt for a minute and just mate, thing, we'll yeah. let you loose after that. One thing I do like is there's a very obvious competitor in him. And like that's that's Oh, well, he's fired up. He's a, yeah, I love that. That's the you know, that's probably in some ways that's probably my favorite part of him. Like he's so passionate and so aggressive. Like I would be you know, slightly crapping myself all week if if my second game was with Mumford, right? And that's being oh. honest. He's a monster, and I would be. I, I actually thought this. I thought Sammy's going to be so nervous because Mumford came in for one reason and just to hit. Yeah, this, to pound him. To pound him. He stood up to him every contest and just battled and battled. And I was like, man, you're right in this. Like you're here to have a career. Um, and it was, you know, there was whispers even before he got his debut debut game that 
he was, you know, really telling the coach, I need to get in this side. I need to get in. I need to get in now. You know, so I like that there's a, a real feisty competitive nature and um, to have that as your main ruckman was, who has such uh, an upside is, you know, it's, it's just genuinely exciting. And, and, yet, and you see the, you know, you see Ridley having another great game and yet, yeah, you, just perfect. There, there is, you know, that's why I get frustrated because I want us to get things right now as a club because there are, you know, I see McGrath showing great leadership, putting in every game. There is, there is something there. There's things coming through uh, that, you know, I want us to get right because I want us to build something special. And I think, you know, there, there's, there's the makings of, of, of a, a shell there. Um, that I think we should be excited about, and I just we're just up to us to get it right. Um, and, and the thing is, though, like you've got, I hundred percent agree with what you just said. In that we've got um, Michael Hurley, who's still capable of twenty three possessions, um, eight marks, it just being solid down back again, and teaching GWS forwards what it means to position bodies. And like I saw him out body his opposition guy two or three times, just. Brilliantly. Hurls with 23 possessions. Sadi's just, the man is like an energizer bunny. He just runs and runs and runs and yeah. runs and runs. He had 20 odd possessions. Um, Andy McGrath's great, 18. Dev Smith, 18. Zarak has popped his head up again with 18. So, look, this is the thing is Hurls is still capable of 23 possessions and still capable of taking on monsters and smaller players. We need to be building now for something big in the, like the next this year, next year or the year after, because, and this is why I'm, I'm sort of, we'll talk about Connor a bit later, but I'm not sure why we would all of a sudden chuck Connor down the forward line. Like, okay, he did some good things and he looked a little bit dangerous and that sort of stuff. But I just think we need as a club to put Zach Merritt where Zach Merritt, pardon my French, should bloody well play. And Darcy Parrish should play where he should bloody will play. And Connor should play on a back line, right? Yeah, like yeah. Just put him there. Let's build the team where they're supposed to be. And then yeah. just play them there. Don't experiment with Connor in the forward line. We need to be building for a premiership, not experimenting with Connor McKenna because he's proven. He's done his two, three years where he's proven where he can play well. Then play the kid there. If you want a dangerous forward who might be able to do things, we've got an incredible um, Indigenous talent sitting in the bench doing nothing at the moment that we went hard for in Mozzie. Chuck him in and see if he can play. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah I, don't, I don't get that at the minute. I just wish we would play players where they're supposed to play and not experiment like we have been. Because if you do that, I'm not exactly... Um, Nostradamus, but if you chuck Zach Merritt in the middle, he gets you 33 a game. Yeah, well, you're spot on. Like, why why invent a successful halfback into a small forward when you have drafted a very good small forward in Mozzie and not playing yet? Uh, I, <laughs> don't, I don't – like, no, he plays halfback and – it, it, no, you know, I'm going to be very honest as a fan. It's not up to Connor to decide where he plays. It's yeah. it, it's up to the coach. Like the whole idea is that everyone has a role um, to play for team success and not individual accolades or just, you know, 
just some fun to oh, I'll, play, I'll, play me forward, Coach Cow, mate. Give me a game. I, I really want to play forward. I played forward as a kid, but I, and I, look, if Connor came in and said this was his first year or the end of his second year, and he started to play well, and we thought, oh, this kid will be a forward because we need him forward. Then I don't know. Two years ago, chuck him forward. Great, but Connor, you've developed as a halfback. You are, mate. You're a gun halfback. You really are. Like you and Sadi and and Ridley at our centre half back line. Is I, I mate, show me a better one in the comp, but yeah, look, I, the, I, I don't get it, man. The, look, the reality is, and this is the cold hard reality. It's no point even developing Connor as a forward because he's telling you he's leaving the club next end of next year or yeah, either this it. year. Like, what are we developing? Like, develop Mozzie. There's no point developing Connor right now as a forward who has zero commitment to the club and that's his choice i'm not that's not slamming connor i'm just going by his words he's he's put it out there he's he's saying it's either this, this year or likely or very much more or it's kind of latest end of next year and you're like well what are we developing just play half back you play that well we need it for the team hopefully yep. we can get success there next year if we can settle the side and get a few more um, my few more adjustments, but we need your strengths to be where you, the, the where it strengths the, you know strengthens the team. That's it. Sorry, you, if you want to play forward, hey, sign us for five years, and then we'll think about it. But yeah. if if you're telling us you're going to leave, then we're going to develop a young Aboriginal kid uh, who has a lot of talent, um, who who we think in five years will be in our grand final side. And that's, and that's yeah, just, it's that's, just that's the bit know, I don't that, get it. I don't get it why we accept this, why we just bowing down to this. I, I, I don't get it. I, it reeks, yeah, I'd hate it reeks to of niceness that, and kindness and, and it's like, bloody hell, just go out and, you know, tell players this is, this is selfless, this is team And that's stuff. the thing. I'd, I'd hate for the club to sit there or to think that the club, for that matter, I'd hate to think that the club is giving um, Connor the forward line to keep him at the club. Because he's always wanted to play forward. Everybody knows it, and he keeps telling the coach he wants to play forward, and that's fine. Geez, I'd hate to think that they're giving him a, a spot in the forward line to say, right, hey, Connor, we'll play in the forward line, but just don't leave at the end of the year. Right? Like, I, I hope it's not a carrot for him. Because if it is a carrot for him, that's that's hugely disappointing for me. Like, just, and that's the, again, that's that ruthlessness that we need to have is that if, if, we say half back because that's where we've trained you and that's where we need you. And when you look at it with Saad and McKenna on um, halfback flanks, it is a great back line for us, right? It's something that you can just tick and move on. Sorry, Connor, you play half back, mate. That's it. If we, excuse me, <clears throat> if we, um, if we had half a dozen more halfbacks flying right up behind Connor going, yep, I can play that position tomorrow, then fine. Move Connor into the forward line. But, again, if this was at the beginning of his career, great. But he's got, what, this season or three-quarters of the way through next season before he's going to leave. So I don't I don't get the move forward. If it was, if this was he signed a new contract yesterday and he's going to be a forward for the next five years, then great. But, unfortunately, Connor needs to play where Connor is, and it's it's the ruthlessness. No, it, it's, yeah, it's like I said, he has every right to feel incredibly homesick and – uh, he's a human being. Like he's he's every right. Agree, to, mate. And and it's with the Irish it's, guys. It's, if they want to yeah. go home, great. But we have every right as a club to go. Well, okay. We've now that we've got that information, we wish you all the best. But at the moment, we can't develop you into something that that has no long term 
um, value to us. So so you either play half back, which you're really strong at, but we can't develop something that's not, you know, that will take 12 months to develop and then you're gone because we should be developing a younger player uh, yeah. that we've drafted for that role. So, uh, look, uh, I mentioned Andy McGrath. Look, one thing I... I feel like I want to give a bit of a shout out to Andrew McGrath, and I know he has his shortcomings with his with his boots, <laughs> uh, but you know, as far as effort, I mean, this guy again, another eight tackles, just another pressure game. Um, like he just puts in every game. I I do like Andy McGrath. That when I complain about consistency, probably McGrath, um, Sard, uh, and Ridley uh, have that. At least I, I prefer I'll get, I'll kind of honor those three players because they're turning up every game and giving me consistency. I know there's going to be moments players are going to make mistakes, right? Um, but if you can give me effort and consistency every week, I'll take that over over uh, some high pro, high profile players that play one out of five um, yep. um, who should who should know better. Um, so you know. I just want to give a bit of an appreciation to McGrath, who's uh, who clearly cares about winning and losing. Um, and um, I just think he's had a, a really good year. And there's no doubt things he's he would know himself. He uh, he comes across as a very honest um, person to, to himself. Things that he knows he would need to work on. We can all see it. And it's obviously a little bit of decision making and, and kicking. But uh, I would take that over any. Um, of probably of the other 18 players who are very in and out all year. Uh, and look, I, I thought um, Zerk Thatcher was, was quite impressive. Took uh, the words right out of my mouth. I was looking straight at him there. And, and um, these are the guys, you know, I mean, that's why I said, I, I think we do have good talent. Draper, Thatcher, Ridley, McGrath. I think Parrish is a better player than what we're, we're helping him develop into. But yep. I, I think if in the right circumstance, he'll he'll grow up really fast if we can get that right. Um, I think there's there's just talent there, and I uh, I think even um, though he was a bit in and out, and that's a bit of hard for a forward role. Langford shows that he can be a dangerous forward and play mid. Uh, I think there's some good talent there. Um, just how can we generate more of it? Uh, I don't know about you, Grant. What what do you make? And let's have an honest conversation because. Sean McKernan hasn't kicked a goal since round five and he's our key forward. What, yeah. how, you know, what do we make of that? Is it is he a victim of being a little bit lone hand, even though Stuart's been there the last two weeks? Is, is he a bit, do you think he's a little bit of a victim of that? Or got, a, or, or I've got just, the answer for you, mate. Or is I've he got just, the or is he just out of form as well? No, I, I've got the answer for you. It's how we deliver the ball to him. It's what it is. I mean, look, we've we've lamented as a podcast over the last X amount of freaking weeks that how we move the ball through the middle and how we kick the ball into the forward line is really bad. Now, Sean Sean on his day can do weird, freaky stuff, and he's he's good. His hands are good when he's on, and I've heard um, Wayne Carey say about him a couple of times that. He knows him. He knows his brother, and he he knows those guys. Sean needs to take a couple of grabs early, get the confidence up, and then he's a far better player. Right? The issue that I think we've got with Sean is the and the same issue that we've got with um, Anthony McDonald, Tip, and Woody is the fact that we our midfield either doesn't have the time 
except for last night. Like last night was again was just this complete one off out of nowhere. Sorry, Friday night. Sorry, not last night. Friday night. Um, where we moved the ball like a precision kicking team, and we moved it slowly, and we tried to find um, options inside fifty and that sort of stuff. But previous to that. We've just been, if we've been getting the ball into the middle, we've just been bombing it into the forward line, putting it on McKernan's head, and the opposition players can see it coming. We've only had Stewart, who has done no better as the other tall forward than McKernan. Um, We've only had him for two weeks, and we're still predictable enough that McKernan and Stewart can't get loose. We, In my opinion, the, the era of the big forward is all but over. Like to me, I honestly think <laughs> it is <an> Hawkins, outside. <laughs> Hawkins is is like he's kicking a few, but that's fine. the The era of the big forward and the way that players um, play the game now is is that's over. There's no nobody's going to kick um, 80, 90 game uh, eighty ninety goals a, a season anymore as a dirty great big centre half forward or a full forward. McKernan just is the victim of the way that we move the ball through the middle. And our kicking into our forward line, it's it's really bad. And the amount of times I see, I look at, we're charging through the middle, and I think, oh great, yes, good, somebody's going to lead out of the forward line, and they do. McKernan leads a lot, like he leads up, but he's got someone on his hammer, 90 percent of the time, right on his hammer, and the ball doesn't get lace out; it just gets up nice and high, and uh, the the opposition guy can spoil it pretty easily. So. I agree, though. It's, it is a worry that we've got one goal out of our out of our um, tall forward, but it's it's got to be about the way that we're putting it down his throat because he's a he's a better player than what we've seen, and so Stewart. And I just think I don't know because because I, I don't know what the hell the mid I don't know how the midfield's supposed to work for for the last five games. We've just grabbed it, chucked it on a boot across our body. And you know the other thing too, let Grant Hoss get on his soapbox for, soapbox for a minute here. Um, Andy McGrath's kicking, right? Now, okay, all right. Um, Andrew Jarman, he might not be. Was it Andrew or Darren that had the good boot? It was Darren. Both. <laughs> Both, yeah. Like, he's not a Jarman, right? But And he's not exactly um, Ridley. But I reckon his, his kicking percentage, Andy McGrath's kicking percentage, has come down to the fact that He's the guy on the bottom of the pack again, getting the ball. And Essendon's, I don't know whether they're being taught to do it or whether or not they just do it, but they get the ball and just, because the game is so frenetic nowadays, they get the ball and just go bang. They just, they chuck it across their body and just boot it in the general direction. Now, that that's going to ruin your kicking percentage because you're the guy that's always on the bottom of the pack consistent, consistently, as you point out. Um, who's snapping the ball across his shoulder. Now, Brisbane, every time I saw Brisbane get the ball from the bottom of the pack, there was a quick handball to somebody just outside the pack who then looked up and it was either a little 10 or a 15-metre kick out to somebody else wide um, or a handball out to somebody else wide and then precision down the ground. So Devin Smith's done it. Zach's done it, apart from last night. And Andy McGrath's done it. We've just been booting the ball across our body. And then when we finally do get some run and Sadi goes piling through the middle and is burning people off left and right, he then just goes boom and drops this 50-meter in the air and 50-meter long kick right into the middle of the into the middle of the 50. 
And it, that's great every now and then because we've got Tip and Woody and those guys and Kale and those guys on the ground trying to rove, but it doesn't help Sean McKernan because he's not Aaron Sanderlands and he can't stand his ground and take those grabs. You've got to hit him on a um, on a lead. So I, I think we've we haven't used Sean McKernan or James Stewart or James Stewart yet how they're supposed to be used. All fair points. Uh, look, one thing uh, I will say with Sean. Uh, not, it's not a counter-argument because I think you're all actually correct, is his IQ um, has to be better. Uh, he's, I think he's almost leading as far as freeze against for the club. So he's, he's, I, my frustration with him is, is, is how many free kicks and cheap free kicks he's giving away. And that's, that is always Sean McKernan, mate. Yeah. He's done it since day one. And it is frustrating. And, and look, it was funny because I, I was on a side note, the whole Callum Ward situation, right? Oh, man, seriously. So, People are letting this bloke off the hang off the hook, right? Um, Duck um, Carey was saying something, oh, he's a, he's, a, he's a strong player and he's, a, he's, he's much better than that. That was, a, that was a weak as P1SS act from that bloke. A bloke that should absolutely know better. And because he's a veteran and because he's within a, an expansion team, the AFL haven't done anything to him, right? Papley got 500 bucks for, for flying forward like Superman, and that's fine. That bloke near Tory's own head off, spinning out of a tackle that should have been play on, and the AFL, nah, no, nah, no problems, won't touch him. Disgusting, that bloke. Seriously, and only because it cost us a goal too. But that bloke knows exactly what he did, and it was disgusting. You're not gonna like li- that in your book not- of useless information. You're not gonna like my next comment, um, man. Come on. I thought, I thought it was the biggest overreaction our clubs had for ages. Dude, uh, the guy spun 720 degrees after he got hit. Yeah, but. You, can you honestly tell me you haven't seen Devin Smith do that almost twice a game? And I'll get stuck into Devin as well. No, but, but for a bloke saying, like that. That's, 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 to, that's the AFL. I'm saying, uh, no offense, but, you know, that happens every week. Uh, the umpire. No, 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 no. Players, players will throw their hands up in the air like they've got the ball. They don't have the ball. So they'll throw their hands up and right, really make it obvious to the umpire that they don't have the ball anymore, right? Now, just between you and me and the fence post, Lloydie, just don't don't tell Lloydie, everybody, if you see him, but Lloydie used to do it, mate. He used to be in front and used to throw his body on the ground, like, and I did not <laughs> like that about him. But, mate, that one from Callum Ward, he knew what he was doing. He threw his body in there and then did, like, a Tony Hawk three, 720 degree bloody rail spin and acted like he had had his head ripped clean off his body. <laughs> that's not okay, man. That's not throwing your hands up so an umpire can see it. That's friggin' an acceptance speech at the Oscars. <laughs> it's always funny because I hope you are, I hope our audience generally knows that we don't discuss these things before because I was actually genuinely leading into a segment about an overreaction and how Essendon just generally lost it themselves. <laughs> then Grant's giving me a ten minute rant. Sorry, uh, I, but I love it. I love it. That's the that's the difference. But that you know. That's football. That's, that's that's one person on the outer and the person on the other outer is having a completely different view. But Absolutely. It, but uh, it's funny. It just cracks me up. Sorry. Just uh, I was actually going into a segment. 
<laughs> going into a whole, whole different narrative and like it got shot down before I even <laughs> said a word. Uh, Sorry look, about that, mate. But I, I guess I didn't, I didn't, I guess my gut feel when I saw it, right? And, and I know he's acting for it and everything like that. And, and I, you know, I, I, I guess maybe I had the luxury of seeing the outcome and the second half a day later. So I didn't see it in the prime emotion of the game, if that makes sense. I, I saw it yeah. in like, you know, obviously I missed it going to the hospital and, and I saw it a day later, knowing the outcome, knowing everything that happened and and hearing this uproar. Like I was like, oh my God, I was, I was expecting like a English soccer, you know, kind of like melodramatic. Absolutely yeah. shot rolling around <laughs> on the ground. Yeah. And then so when I saw it, I went, oh, okay, that's... I must admit, yeah, I just look, went, oh, okay, I see plays do that all the time. But they, umpire, and I just, my gut feel, I just said, oh, yeah, umpire can't get suckered into that. Um, and that's how that, that, I kind of moved on from that. When That's w- the that's the point, though, for me, is that the umpire got sucked in to something that is so blatantly obvious to everybody else that I can't believe the only thing, Sam Newman said it, mate, the, the only thing that hasn't improved over the years. Like someone like Bob, if Bobby Skilton was running around today in the Sydney midfield, there is no way that bloke at the peak of his physical fitness would win two Brownlows, right? The AFL, the the athletes and everybody, it's all progressed brilliantly nowadays, right? The only thing in the AFL, and I'll, I'll agree with Sammy Newman on this, that hasn't improved is goal kicking and bloody umpiring. Like the the Daniel Gorringe, the you remember that bloke that was on um, Big Brother or whatever he was on just recently. Um, Proceed. There was a really there's a really funny quote that I was just flicking through uh, Facebook, um, and he goes, "Out of all of the rules we have in Australia right now, due to COVID, the AFL holding the ball rule might be the worst of them." And I thought that was pretty funny and a hundred percent true. The, the, the AFL rules. umpiring has not improved. Well, Over the yeah. years, and, and as a general call. Surely that has to come up from leadership, though, doesn't it? Because oh, I agree. Because man. the, the uh, I don't want to give the umpires too much of an outlet, but if you're changing the interpretation year on year, no, week by week, seriously, dude, yeah. seriously, it's week by week. And but, um, but I'm also talking about a directive from the from the from the AFL, right? From yeah, the, yeah, as in like you're changing. You know, we're now going to do holding the ball. You must get you know rid of it quickly more more faster now this year next year you know we'll watch a preseason we'll see a different interpretation of holding the ball and oh, this year you know it's going to be um uh you know protecting the person getting the ball first oh this year now it's going to be the person diving on the ball first has to get rid of it within half a second next year will be you know it's just like you know we have it feels like there's no set consensus of what actually holding the ball is anymore. And, and it's clear as your and, life. And the umpires are not that, you know, you don't, you don't have confidence that they fully understand um, how to umpire because you feel like three umpires in a game and, and all three of them have a different interpretation uh, of what they think is, you know, it's just, so it's, it's a very frustrating, I know, uh, you know, it was, you know, when I watched the game again, um, I don't know what it is about us at the moment, but, you know, we, we lost the game ourselves, but we are getting some strange free kicks this year. Oh, I, man, I, I, like, I don't r- get it. Real bad. Real I bad. I don't understand it. And that's, you know, I think you know I'm passionate enough and, and I've said enough about Essendon that you know that's not my excuse. I'm just saying just as a left field thing, just umpiring – with Essendon this year, we've only actually had one game where we've actually led the free kick count. and But it does seem very, you know, 
Uh, you don't want to say, I, I can never think it's deliberately one-sided, but it just, like, how does it get to this point? I, I don't feel like we're an overly aggressive team, uh, to be honest. And I, I keep wondering, you know, you know, I've, I saw plays where McGrath got whacked in the head and Waller got whacked yeah. in the head and, and it look, and it just looks so obvious live and looks obvious in slow-mo and, and you just know. No, okay, move on. All right, fine. Uh, but, yeah, it's just been a strange year uh, as far as officiating. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd go slightly harder than that. It's been a crap year for the umpires. It's not a strange year because the umpires, the AFL, the Umpire Association, whoever the hell sets the rules for those guys, the, the cricket, international cricket introduced the third umpire, right, to stop clangers the review system, right, to stop those clangers where, I don't know, the, the ball pitching outside leg stump and the getting given out LBW or the foot was over the line and the umpire missed it or human error, right, to get rid of that kind of human error issue. Um, the AFL the AFL version of a clanger giving somebody out LBW after it's pitched outside leg is what happened to Callum Ward, right? It was got to be one of the easiest things you've ever seen in your life in that he staged. He threw himself towards the ball, and for a start-off, McKernan had no chance to do anything different. He didn't cause the um, the contact. It should have been one of those ones where it was play on. Callum, you threw your head into a contest. You Sorry, let me rephrase that. You went head first into a contest where Sean was – three quarters of the way committed to the contest himself and you you came off second best. The problem that I have is that when you see him do a bloody a 180, 720 bloody uh, spin after the thing, you know that before he went to that contest, he thought about staging. So if it's that easy to see, why are these umpires missing something that an EDFL umpire back in the Lightning Premiership days with Scott McNeese and Grant Heal starring for the South Croydon Football Club, why did those umpires pick that up and the AFL didn't pick it up? Not that Scott or I ever staged for free kicks, by the way. We dominated. But um, <laughs> I don't understand why these clangers can still be made. Like If there's really intricate bloody free kicks because the umpire was unsighted, there's like 15 umpires on the ground. But that was so, so obvious. McGrath's free kick last week. It's a clanger. It's not even a 50-50 maybe, yeah, I don't know, maybe. It's an ugly, ugly decision that cost us a goal. Now, having said that, would have been nice if that goal wasn't so important to us um, and if we had have uh, defended a 29-point lead. But, again, <laughs> yes. clangers like that yeah. at the end of a game, real stupid, bad, wrong decisions can hurt an opposition team. And I can't believe that they're still making them. It annoys me. Exactly. Uh, look, we'll go to a break. Uh, I do want to stress that I was the Bradley Plain of South South Croydon Football Club. Mate, don't talk the- yourself. <laughs> don't talk yourself down on that, mate. You, I was the long sleeve jumper the, veteran. Uh, you so. were the Darren Buick. You were the uh, Gary Moorcroft. You took, you took hangers. You were running around in a forward pocket. Me, I was the dower. Golden Fist defender in the back line. <laughs> the David Grenvold. I was the David Grenvold. I was the David Grenvold of the of the South Croydon Footy Club. Um, yeah, so we we dominated at both ends basically. Yeah. So look, uh, we'll be uh, uh, right after the break um, with <laughs> a few 
Well, I don't even know what I'm saying. So, can you tell my mind has been a little bit skew if uh, the last 48 hours? Sorry. Should I? Uh, should I do this? Uh, you, this you, one, Scotty. So we'll, we'll be back after the break um, <laughs> to finish off the show. Thank you. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, Scotty, we've got a, a brand new sponsor that helps us uh, keep this dinky little podcast on the air. Um, that, that sponsor is Speaking Finance. Now, Speaking Finance are finance brokers. They specialise in personal and business loans. Um, I don't know, maybe you're looking for uh, loans for a newer used car, some new equipment on the job site and the like. Um, the guys down at Speaking Finance can absolutely help you. They're Essendon supporters. Um, they're real Essendon supporters too. We had a chat with uh, we had a chat with the team the team down there, and they absolutely know what they're talking about. Um, not only with the bombers, but actually on finance as well. So um, we love <laughs> to have these guys on board. We're really thankful. Yeah, I might look. I must admit, uh, I actually uh, purchased a, a new car about three or four weeks ago. So I wish I actually did know Steve and the gang down there. Yes. Uh, we could have talked Essendon and we could have talked uh, uh, getting a good deal on the car. So look, that's their specialty. Um, uh, they're really good if you if you need a, a truck, car. Um, they also do mortgages. They do yeah, mortgages yeah. as well. They've got mortgage um, brokers in there at, um, at Speaking Finance as well. Um, so look, guys, if you if you if you're looking to understand um, your options or you're looking to uh, secure a new loan, give the guys at Speaking Finance a call because I guess when we when we had a chat to these guys, they were they were great. They really understood um, what uh, the the listeners might want. They ran us through their products. Um, like I said, Scotty and I come from a from a commercial background ourselves, so um, these guys are dead set spot on. So um, we're really happy to have Speaking Finance on uh, on the podcast as our new major sponsor. So absolutely, give uh, give Steve and the guys the call. Where can they where can they get the guys, um, uh, Scotty? Uh, look, you can. Uh find them on their Facebook site. That's probably the best way of contacting uh, them through their uh, Speaking Finance Facebook site. Look, uh, give a shout out to Steve. Um, hopefully he can, uh, he'll, he'll no doubt give a, give you a message back, but uh, just tell them you're from the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast listener and um, they'll take really, really good care of you. Yeah, absolutely, man. You can get them on uh, the Facebook page, like you said, or even speakingfinance.com.au. Go and check out their website, um, get hold of Steve, um, and uh, have a chat to him. No obligation, chat to the man. So it's funny, I haven't mentioned it, Scotty, but uh, I think uh, I'm going to be in the um, market for a new new car loan as well. Um, the old uh, the bomb is about to die, so I think <laughs> I'll be having a chat to Steve. So, Steve, if you're listening, mate, um, I'll get hold of you on Monday for a new loan. So thank you very much again to Speaking Finance being uh, on, on the club as a major sponsor. Um, the club, the podcast is a major sponsor. So thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's another new sponsor. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, thank you, Speaking Finance. Uh, look, your your support for the show. And, and I look, just so 
people understand I've spoken to Steve quite a bit even before we even talked about finance. So uh, he's a very good man. He's a very, very passionate Essendon man. So uh, very. Uh, so look, he knows his stuff uh, in finance and Essendon. So uh, that's good to know on both counts. So uh, look, much, much appreciated that they've come on board and support us for the end of uh, t- till the end of 2020. And and, and hopefully it's a, it's a great relationship for years to come. So uh, check, it, check Steve and the boys out. Now, uh, let's let's um, start wrapping up the show. Uh, how can you get us on the socials, mate? Mate, the guys, uh, everybody can get us on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast um, Facebook page. Um, we're getting a lot of feedback, a lot of um, instant messages or the messages come through from those guys. We love talking to um, you guys on, um, on the Facebook page. Um, they can get us on Instagram. The Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast is on Instagram. Um, we put uh, a little bit of advertising up there when we're going to be doing um, these kind of podcasts. Ironically enough, I haven't done it for this podcast because um, Scotty was uh, otherwise uh, detained recently. So this is a bit of a surprise. This is going to pop up on people's uh, streaming services um, just out of the blue for people. But, yeah, check out um, Instagram page and our Facebook page. You can also get us on Twitter. Um, we couldn't get the lunchtime catch up podcast on Twitter, um, so we went for the uh, the lunch. lunchtime lunch catch up. No, what's it called? The lunch catch up. The lunch catch up, man. I've only been doing the podcast <laughs> for 104 shows. Um, the lunch catch up on uh, Twitter, so you can get us there. You can also find Sco- uh, Scotty at uh, Scooter McNeese on Twitter. You can get him there, um, and you can uh, check us out also too on um, True to the Red Sash, the Facebook page as well. Yeah, and look, just quickly. Uh, 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 I know you guys understand, but a little bit of an apology. We normally do our Patreon show um, directly after each game. Obviously, um, in the circumstances, we we could do we could do that um, after the uh, the GWS game. So, look, I, I got I must have got honestly um, through Twitter, Facebook, probably about fifty to sixty messages of support. So, I look, I, I'm so humbled and so grateful uh, about the care and. And the uh, the bomber family that that have reached out um, from from Sam in the US, from from journos who've been on our show, from from you know from good friends that are on True to Red Sash or on our lunchtime catch up or on Twitter, uh, a much much uh, uh, heartwarming kind of uh, gratitude from me to you, all you guys. So a big thanks. Uh, we've looked. Our Patreon community is amazing. We've just you know, the response and just the interaction that we have as a group has been incredible. Uh, if, if you do want to happen to hear the shows that we put out, um, we have a game Wednesday. So uh, look, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm locked into a show as yet um, for Tuesday, which would be our team show. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm hoping you understand um, there's a few things to be ticked off at home first and uh, my wife actually still is in hospital so I'm going to go back to calling her directly after this and um, and it's yeah so it's and this uh, is this is this is the issue that we face I mean like Scotty's um, making a really good point and yet we we appreciate especially the Patreons that are um, that are um, part of our group is that I'd I'd love to be doing the the show or we'd love to be putting some um, some content out but unfortunately Scotty has the (laughs) Roadcaster 5000 over at his house yeah um so it's difficult for us to, I mean, otherwise I'd just nip around to Scotty's place and I could do it while he was 
um, busy. But uh, unfortunately, we can't due to the social distancing restrictions and level four and all that crap. Um, so yeah, we really we really appreciate it. It's absolutely our intention to do every one of the shows that we uh, we commit to. But in this particular case, um, it's just medical takes first, second, and third priority. Um, so we hope everybody understands. But just as an example, the, some of the guys and girls that we've just had um, signed onto the Patreon team, a massive thank you to the likes of Craig Parker, Paul Amato, Tony Fiorotto, Fio, Fiorito, Fiorito, Tony Militic, I'm crap at names, Tony, uh, Robert Militic, Sean Dalton, Adam Piotrowski, um, Adrian Fumato, Kyle Nicholas, Jess Thwaites. I understand we know Jess Thwaites, Scotty. Yeah, Jess is uh, is uh, one of my great uh, helpful admins on True to the Red Sash. Uh, nice. she's, she's so awesome. So a mad, nice. passionate Tommy. Essendon fan who knows who knows probably more than me. <laughs> Beautiful. Tommy Morgan, um, Peter Scott, Costa Renault, Brandon, Ken Mighton, Chris Long, Carol Davies, Jordan Tool, all these guys and girls that have um, come onto the Patreon page. We really appreciate it. Um, just a tiny amount of uh, um, of um, patience um, with us just at the moment. Like I said, it wouldn't be an issue if we weren't in stage four restrictions, but uh, we are. So um, when we uh, when we get back up and running, we'll, we'll be flying through the, the shows as per normal. But, yeah, just a, a smidge of patience at the minute would be appreciated. Thanks, everyone. Uh, look, we've got Gold Coast coming up on Wednesday night. Uh, I suspect probably going to have a few managed uh, changes announced on Tuesday night for the Wednesday game because uh, of the short turnaround. And I think we've got a short turnaround, you know, after the Suns game, If, but I'll, I'll double-check that. So, um, yeah, so interesting kind of um, situation now we've got ourselves in. Like the, the cold reality is is that we've got to somehow win <laughs> two of the th- – you know, three of the next four games or something like that. Or you Yeah, know, we, we, we've got to win against Gold Coast. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. It's it's win or or, or, uh, or pack up. So that's that's kind of where we are for Wednesday night. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, – look, we're always going to cheer on the boys for a win. Um, Absolutely, man. Like you said, between now and, and the game starts, I'll lose this negativity and, and mini rant. <laughs> And um, I'll be front row center for the boys watching the game, mate. I'm front row center watching the game. We've got some concerns, but we're, we're going to be absolutely front row center like we expect every other Essendon supporter to be as well. And look, just before we do sign off, we are working on a bit of a small project that's going to come out next month uh, that I think everyone will be very, very excited about. Um, and I can't give away too many details, sorry. But look, I'll, I'll tell you that it's a little bit around – a of uh, of the careful, most, careful, careful of of a time of success. <laughs> That's yes, all I say. It is yes. a it is a it's very the timing is very important. Just at the moment, let's say that. Yes. Um. This one, I reckon, and again, I I'm not speaking out of turn here when I say that Scotty and I are about as excited about this show as we have been in 104 shows. Seriously, <laughs> this one. 104 years. But, um, we're in 104 years. We've, <laughs> we've, we are so excited about this show that is coming up very soon. And, look, we, we can tell you a couple of things, but we're not going to. But <laughs> if a couple more things kick into gear like we hope they are going to, this will be the greatest show we've ever done. Seriously, it's I think we can say that there's a like we can narrow it down to a guest or two that we have on the show, but 
I swear, if we get these names on the show, uh, mate, it'll be the greatest night of Essendon, apart from meeting our lovely wives, it'll be the greatest night of our lives. So can't tell you too much more than that. Think I might have already told you a little bit too much, but (laughs) um, that will be happening very, very soon. We'll we'll tell you more once we've uh, locked a few things in. Yep. So, look, besides that... uh uh, again, thanks for your messages. Have a, have a great week. Stay safe, everyone. Um, and uh, we'll hopefully see and hear each other very, very soon. Uh, yes, uh, indeed. If good news kind of happens from my end. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, much appreciated, everyone. And go Bombers for Wednesday night. See you, guys. Bye.